It's the third week in Lent, and I'm thinking about forgiveness. I guess that's a good thing, considering that it's the year of mercy. And I've said before that real mercy can only take place if someone has trespassed against you, if someone has offended you, and you have the authority to exact justice. Then you can practice real mercy. That doesn't apply to most of us, since we can't punish. If someone hurts you, you can either forgive them or not. But most of us cannot punish someone who's hurt us. But when the situation involves a case that has garnered national attention, a drunk driver killing three children and their grandfather, the justice system can rule a judgment, but no judgment will be true justice. I cannot begin to imagine the pain that the parents of those children are suffering. Every time the mother has spoken publicly, her pain is palpable. Her anger towards the perpetrator is also palpable, and I can get on my high moral horse and tell her that she should forgive, and I think she should, but perhaps it's a slow process. Justice will determine how long the drunk driver will have to stay in jail, but no matter what, the children and their grandfather will not be brought back to life. The life of that poor family will never be the same, but they have to move on. They have to let go of the anger. Doing so is not a betrayal to their dead children. Moving on is not a betrayal to their children. If they continue holding on to the pain and anger, it will destroy them, and it will destroy their marriage. We forgive those who've hurt us, not for them as much as we do for ourselves. We release them of the debt they owe us, so we can be free. True justice can only be served when both parties are free to move on with their lives. That's mercy. I pray for all those who live in pain and anger that, in time, they will be able to forgive, not forget, but let go. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro and Emily is hey, here Pedro. with me. Hello. Um, before we start, Emily, I want to invite all our listeners to please continue to support us and to support Catholic Radio. Yes. Because what we do takes money and we depend 100% on donations. Um, I don't know about you, Emily, but I, I, hate, I hate saying all this. But if you like to listen to this program, please consider becoming a monthly donor through our Guardians program. And that will ensure that we can continue this program for another season. And so also make you feel like we're, you're part of this mission with us as well. Uh, yes, right? absolutely. Thank mm -hmm. you. So you can check our website at saltandlighttv.org to find out how all that works. Um, we have a jam-packed show today, Emily. Okay. Um, we're going to start with your news. And I know yep. that there's, there's some important stuff coming up. Um, the Pope has come up with this great idea. Yes, for the year for, for mercy. For the Jubilee year, absolutely. No surprise um, there. <laughs> um, so we're going to hear about that shortly. And after Emily, Danny Torquia will be here to dispel some myths about public relations. He's also always very good. So I'm looking forward to that in about 15 minutes. And today's Connect 5, um, in today's Connect 5, Sebastian Gomes will be speaking with a biblical scholar, Sister Carol Perry, and she's going to help us understand the biblical Jesus. That's at the end of our first half Wonderful. hour. Um, now, Emily, do you... Do you ever pray novenas? I do. Do you really? Yeah, I oh, mean, I, I haven't I done it a lot. But 
<laughs> I think I might have done it once, and it was to St. Teresa of Lisieux. Okay, good. And that's her parents, the one, That's when I started. Yeah. So, I, I, in fact, in the second half hour, we're going to be learning all about novenas. Uh, John Paul Deddens, he was the founder of Pray More Novenas, is going to be joining us. So that's uh, in about half an hour. And then at the end of the program, we, we have a featured chat with Josh Blakesley, who has a new album, Even In This. So we're going to start with a song. Here's the title track of that album, Even In This. Standing where the light won't seem to go The longest night is rising on your soul It feels just like the sky is made of stone But you are not alone You are not alone He's in the valley of your pain in the shattered broken things Even in this Even in this He's in the hurt you cannot hide He's in the fear you cannot fight Even in this Even in this That was Josh Blakesley with Even In This from his new album of the same name. And we're going to be speaking with Josh 
in our second half hour. But first, Emily is still here with our news. So the Pope, what did he say? What's the big idea? So this this big idea, I mean, he, you know, the year for mercy is huge. Uh And so um, at his Angelus last last Sunday, Sunday, he um, invited to, he basically called um, leaders in the world to abolish the death penalty. This isn't the first time he's asked for it, okay. or that he's um, condemned the death penalty, but now he's calling for a moratorium. During okay, this year. so during this year, no death penalty. Yeah, I, and I mean... Like a jubilee. Like a jubilee, yes, yeah. exactly. And and in the hopes that this is going to just eradicate the death penalty around the world, uh-huh. um, this was just at the beginning of an international conference organized by the community of Santin. Egidio, yes, in Rome, um, where the conference's theme was going to be on, on the death penalty, and so um, people from around the world, leaders from around the world, uh, countries, representatives even of countries who had the death penalty, yes, um, abolished recently, uh, are were present at this um, at this conference. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so and he also called for improving conditions of prisoners, uh-huh. life, life in prison, right. and um, respecting human dignity and remembering that that everyone deserves. Absolutely, deserves I wonder what the freedom. response is going to be to that. It'll be right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, secondly, so yes. um, this past week was also announced two retirement announcements. Okay, uh, someone from the Vatican. W- from the Vatican, okay, ex- exactly. I thought you were retiring. Yeah. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, no, not yet. A few years to go for that. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, now someone that we've heard of a lot, which is Father Federico Lombardi, Lombardi. who's the general um, director or was the general director of Vatican Radio. He's he, also, in fact, in charge of all Vatican communications. Exactly. Yeah. So he's only retiring from his role as general director of Vatican, of Vatican Radio. Radio. Okay. Yes, exactly. Um, which he, ser- he served in Vatican Radio for over 26 years. Wow. Um, and he will remain director of the Holy See press office and okay. spokesperson Good. for Vatic for um, for the yes. Vatican. Now the other person as well who's retiring is also um used to be the director of administration for Vatican Radio. So he's okay. also um, leaving his uh, his role. Um, fun fact, uh, he was also the coordinator for papal trips. So okay. his last papal trip would have been the one with the Pope in Mexico. In Mexico. Okay, so and what's his name? This is uh, Al- Gaspari. Alberto Gasbari. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, and so this whole thing is really part of this big overhaul that's happening um, with the Secretariat of Communications Mm -hmm. um, that started last summer. Um, And so there will be a legal representative for the administration of Vatican Radio until they kind of, you know, finalize revamping this good this whole secretary good okay and we yeah. support Vatican Radio we support all radio we support all <laughs> Catholic radio maybe I should apply to some yeah. of these jobs <laughs> go, go be the director of Vatican Radio and the Pope is uh, a new, he's now like the new children's author yeah like what's going apparently. on apparently so he wrote or he I mean he responded to about 250 letters ah, yes. of children around the world and so Loyola Press c- came up with this idea and put this book together yes um, of responses of the Pope to these children from uh, about 30 countries around the world and it will be released on March 1st. So this is the Pope responding to letters from children from around the world. That's a long title. What's the title of the book? So the title (laughs) of the book is going to be, uh, it's called Dear Pope Francis and uh, the Pope responds to letters of children. (laughs) I know it's it's actually pretty pretty obvious um, what this book is. Dear Pope Francis. 
Yeah, and there's going to nice. be like letters and poems in there that children wrote in. So nice. he's responding to that, and all the donations and the money that are going towards this book um, will be uh, will be also given uh, to the pontifical or apostolic chancery. I hope okay. I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, sure. Basically, um, the um, the the dicastery in the church responsible for charitable right. uh, donations. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, I don't want to let you go before you tell me a little bit more about, I know that we have a lot of Syrian refugees in coming mm-hmm. into Canada, so much so that the Syriac church in Canada now has a patriarch? So, uh, called an apostolic exarchate. Exarch. Exarchate. Okay, so he's yes. the exarch. Exactly. So it's kind of like the pope and the bishops. Yes. Um, well, here you have there's a patriarch who you know there's the who is uh, his beatitude Ignatius Ephraim Joseph Yunan um, for Canada. For the no, Syrian for church. The, oh, for, for all the, the Syrian all church. the Syrian church. But yeah. then they have there's exarchs, and in, so, so he would be the local the exarch local exarch for, for Canada for the Syriac church in Canada. In Canada, okay. yeah. So the Syrian church in Canada has actually um, been present here yes. since 1976, uh-huh. um, and they used to be under um, like an an exarchate for um, United States and yes, Canada, but now yes, Canada is having yes. its own. Yeah. And uh, the new head of the Syrian Catholic Church in Canada will be, or has been installed yes. um, today, actually. So, um, and his name is Antoine Nassif. And okay. he, the, the C of the exarchate will be in Laval, okay. Quebec. Interesting. So that, that's just for, for the people who are just kind of trying to figure out what the Syriac church is. There are 23 Eastern rites that are in communion with Rome. And uh, the Syriac church, most Syriac Catholics are in Syria. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, we have a lot of Syrians who are, who are, who've had to leave and, uh, and are coming to Canada and other places. So yeah. that's uh, great. We need to support them. Can I just in the add church. something yes. maybe interesting that um, there's seven parishes and missions all around Canada who are part of the Syrian Syriac, Catholic yeah. and 16,000 Catholics in total yeah. with five priests. So, okay. um, yeah. Yeah, just to kind of give yeah. us a bigger picture of it's what it good. looks it's like uh, here. Really making us aware of the need that there are Christians in the in the Middle East, especially yes. in this case in Syria. Anyway, thank you, Emily. Emily Callan, our uh, one of our from our news department, uh, and you can stay up to date with what's happening in the church with our daily perspectives updates in several languages. Emily in French, and it's all easy to find at saltandlighttv.org and also on our Roku channel. Hey there, this is Tony Melendez. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. God bless you. I'm Deacon Pedro. If you like this program and you'd like to continue listening to it, maybe you can support us by becoming a monthly donor through our Guardians program. Why don't you go to saltandlighttv.org and find out how you can do that. And now it's time for... Media Ministry Minutes with Danny Torquia. Danny, welcome back to the program. Happy 2016. I guess it's kind of too late to say Happy New Year, but it's a Happy New Year for you on this Thank show. Thank you. I think so, but it's so good to be with you and your listeners again, yeah. as always. So, as you know, every year the Pope releases a message for the Day of Social Communications. And this year the message uh, had to do with dialogue. What do you, what do you yeah. think that that's all about? Yeah, I mean, I, I, what I noticed in January was that the, the message coming from the Vatican was very strong on dialogue. It was also the theme of the, the prayer intentions for the month of January. Yes. And especially in the context of war and conflict in the Middle East and in other areas. And, and I, it really reminded me, Deacon Pedro, about how we need to foster 
uh, more people who take take the profession of public relations and communications more seriously because at the heart of that is dialogue and at the mm-hmm. heart of that is listening to the other mm-hmm. and behind the the act the mere act of listening to the other is love is caritas right. and, and and is dignity of the person and if we do that well uh, whether you're a ceo or a director of a charity or a pastor or a deacon you're 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 fulfilling the gospel and you're also embracing two-way symmetrical public relations which in my field i know is in short supply and it's probably the the only good way to do it i, I um do you think that a lot of people in the church are not doing public relations or are not doing it well because they have an attitude of confrontation and it's and not an attitude of dialogue you know i i think there's an attitude perhaps of fear fear and yeah. and, and a lot of misinformation uh, on public relations and communications. So I'm not, it's not to blame anyone, but yeah. the reality is that anybody who wants to learn public relations and communications, I have a feeling that they're not getting it right because there is this true gem of public relations academia and scholarly learning, mm-hmm. but it, it's not being taught very well. So in a way, we're being, the, the profession is being defeated and the true essence of my f- field is crowded by the god of money or greed, and, and in, in New York or in Toronto and all over the world, there's a, a lot of poorly uh, structured, poorly orientated public relations. And I, so I, th- I think it's tough for the PR-minded person in a church, uh-huh. in a diocese, or in a charity to get it right. And, and I, I just think we need to educate people on what PR is. And I, I'm, I would like to throw out this call to say if someone's interested in PR, well, we need more of it. And I'd love to share with you, Deacon Pedro, some names and some sources, resources that people can go to to get it right. Um, right. There's, you know, anyhow, no, when you I, talk about PR to, to people from the church and you speak about what true PR is, they get it and they see that it's awesome evangelization. Okay, I do, I do want to do that. But before that, let me ask you a question, because I would think that a lot of people are thinking that PR is getting your message out so it's kind of more marketing. So how does dialogue fit into that? Because dialogue involves not just you getting your message out, but you're, how am I doing mar- PR if I'm only listening to the other side? Well, that, when you, the way you speak, it's, it's because you've been uh, indoctrinated to believe that PR uh, belongs within marketing, and it doesn't. Okay. Uh, but if you go to New York and, and shops and agencies in New York or Toronto, uh, regrettably, you see that PR usually lives and resides and is funded by marketing, which is not good. Okay. It's not... It, public relations is about ensuring that the audience groups or stakeholders, so it could be employees, uh-huh. it could be the media, it could be the government, it could be your neighbors, anyone who has a stake in your business or in your charity and what you do, that they have a, that you have communications with them and that you are building a sustainable relationship that will be allowed to grow. Mm-hmm. And, and to, it's like some people call it social license to operate these days. You have to have the implicit or explicit support or at least people not objecting to you doing business in your community. So if you're a pro-life group or if you're a charity doing, uh, you know, maybe it's a clinic, a, a mm-hmm. pregnancy center, or you want to make sure that people know your, your vocation, know what you're doing, know it. what your objectives are, so that they say, you know what, we're cool with them in the, in the community. Yeah, they disagree with me, but you know what, they're good people. They, I know what they want to do. We disagree on this issue. But if I'm going to have a, a, a pro-life or a, a charity that yeah. does uh, social justice, 
well, I want them to be there and not some other group. I see. Okay, you're, remi- you're reminding me actually of the case of Romero House in Toronto. It's a home for refugees. And when they first opened the house, there was a lot of pushback from the neighbors because they didn't want all these refugees coming in. And so you're saying that one of the things that the first thing that they would have had to do is do PR in the neighborhood on the street to get the neighbors to support the fact that these refugees are are here and and what is the work that they're doing and to get to know them maybe better, I don't know. Yeah. Which is in fact what they did. It's like if someone moves into the neighborhood in your residential street and they're they're very, they're they're covert, they're hidden, they don't come talk to you. In the old days, you'd have the, I'm bringing over an apple pie, get to know you, hello. You want to know who's moving in corporately or organizationally, even if it's a church. Yeah. And it's just like all the branches say, here's here's who I am, we're moving in, here's what we want to do, here's what, what fuels us. And people do that through newsletters, through flyers, through websites, or through personal encounters, but that's communications. And, I see. And so I love hearing people, whenever there's a dispute, it's very important to listen and to get a good PR person in there so that we can then build bridges. I mean, all of this is about building bridges. So when the folks speaks about bridges, not walls, yes. for me, I get excited because that's what proper PR people should be doing. And so I just hope that PR people in the church can multiply but not those that think it's just propaganda, not those that think it's just marketing and whitewashing and key messaging one way. No, that, that, we don't want any of that. We need dialogue. We need no fear. We're ready to listen to the uh, controversial, the opposing voices, and then let's move on with it right. <clears throat> uh, respectfully and as adults, okay. responsible adults. Good. So, so, so PR is not marketing. Um, let's no. put out, let's put out that call then. So if there's anybody out there that's listening, you feel that you want to be a better communicator, learn what good PR is and how to do it, so you can support the church. Yeah, and how, I, I have how do one we do name that? Yes, that it is the the guru of public relations is a gentleman named Grunig. Grunig, G R U N I G, first name James. Yeah. Uh, he's the uh, embodiment of public relations theory. The way I'm referring to it. And it is uh, the PR that is uh, adhered to by the Canadian Public Relations Society and by the Public Relations Society of America. But it is still poorly known, poorly practiced, in my opinion. And so if anyone's interested, it's Grunig. They'll find lots of books. And it's a good type of PR that that, that will be very um, easy to align with one's faith. Okay, good. So James Grunig, G-R-U-N-E-G. N-I-G, excuse me. Sorry, N-I-G. And and I'm sure, Danny, when you, because you've been writing columns, so you'll write something and we can publish it on our blog as well so that people can get this information. And, of course, they can reach you at Torquia Communications if they wanted to also know more because I'm sure you're doing good PR at Torquia, right? Uh, We try. We try. (laughs) No no one's perfect, but we certainly try. Okay, this is good advice. Here's a a, a call to action. uh, Everyone out there interested in doing PR, Danny's recruiting. Um, <laughs> have a great week thank you very much thank Dan. you and you too Danny Torquia is our public relations expert and he's also the managing director of Torquia Communications you can follow him on Twitter at Dan Torquia hey I'm Tori Harris and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro how are you going to spend the next five minutes of your time how about listening in, meeting a fascinating person, and learning something relevant that will broaden your perspective? Sit down with Sebastian Gomes and go straight to the heart of the matter. Here's Connect 5. Today, Sebastian speaks with renowned scripture scholar, Sister Carol Perry. She explains why most people don't know the biblical Jesus and how transformative knowing him can be. When you kind of analyze 
the different positions out there of, of who people are saying Jesus is. What is lacking in people's understanding of Jesus today? Because you're a great proponent of biblical studies. I think that one of the one of the problems stems from the fact people want to make Jesus irrelevant. And therefore, to make him irrelevant, they have to say he was something like a political revolutionary. Entire books have been written on that. Farthest thing from anybody's mind. That because he came from a different setting, they down him by saying he was just a Galilean peasant with that little contempt in the voice that goes with that. I think we have to put Jesus always back in his setting. He was a first century Palestinian, that is absolutely true. He was one of any number of wandering rabbis, that is true. But why is it that he's the only one 2,000 years later whose words still echo? You know, it's very easy to dismiss him with these contemptuous little phrases. And people are missing the fact that this is the only first century person that I can think of who is still talked about, argued about, discussed, swords are raised for and against him. I mean, we can't just dismiss him. I even have seen a recent study that he never existed. He was created out of somebody's imagination. I mean, what an insult <laughs> to history, I think, to look at it that way. Right. You've been studying uh, Jesus for a long time. Your whole life as a sister and as a teacher has been, uh, you know, around and, uh, you know, the person of Jesus. Um, tell us about an enlightening moment that you had in your knowledge and understanding of who Jesus was in your years of study. You know, I think it was when I came to an understanding of his relationship with the disciples. I always say one of the big problems in faith is we have Christian art and stained glass. And we need to get Peter, Andrew, James, John, the whole pack of them out of the windows and into real life. And who were they? They were kids. They were 14 or 15 years old. And Jesus was forming them for a long future that he would not see. And I think one to me when I realized both their age their ability to make mistakes, which was oh so human. Peter never opened his mouth without inserting foot at the same time. <laughs> you, know, you know, when James and John came <clears throat> to get a promotion to the first places in the kingdom and brought their mother with them. I mean, they were not 52-year-old men with mama attached. When you look at them as these fledgling disciples, then we see something that I think is astounding, is Jesus' faith in them. And it's the same kind of faith that he has in us. I know we like to think we are superior to them, but we're really not. We are just as inept and just as awkward. And yet it's, it's God's faith in humanity that to me is encapsulated in Jesus' public life, truly. Mm -hmm. there's, uh, there's many different um, uh, programs, shows, documentaries about Jesus nowadays. They always come up around Christmas and Easter time on the television. People can turn on the TVs and, or go on the internet and watch some of these. Uh, what do you make of the general thrust of these kinds of programs? You know, I, I usually make an effort, I turn them on, and usually after 10 minutes I've had all I can take. 
you know, Jesus was not a blue-eyed blonde. <laughs> Jesus was a Palestinian. Jesus was not rousing the rabble to revolution. Uh, I think so many of the cameras for those specials on Jesus, they come with a kind of reverence almost attached to the camera where we're doing Jesus now. And they lose the humanity of Jesus in their effort to portray divinity. I don't know what they're trying to do, but I have never yet seen an epic, a biblical epic on Jesus that got my stamp of approval. That was Sebastian Gomes speaking with scripture scholar, Sister Carol Perry. You can watch this and more interviews at saltandlighttv.org slash connect5. Coming up in our second half hour, pray more novenas and a featured chat with Josh Blakesley, who has a new album, Even In This. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, I did not grow up praying novenas, although I did know what they were and I knew people who prayed them. Last year, I decided to pray a novena to St. Therese, and I started looking online for a good one to do. And I found PrayMoreNovenas.com, and I loved it. So I joined, and since then, I've prayed several novenas. This is really strange for me because I don't pray novenas, but I do now with their guidance. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by John Paul Deddens, who's the founder and uh, the founder, and I guess he runs uh, the Pray More Novenas. John Paul, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Yes. So first of all, for people who, who really have no idea what we're talking about, what is a novena? Well, a novena is a... Uh it's kind of a, an unofficial devotion in the church, yeah. And uh, it's it's really ancient. It goes back um, to uh, the time of the apostles. And, okay. Uh, the the word novena actually uh, comes from the Latin word for nine. So uh-huh. it's, a, it's a set of prayers that you say for, uh, for pray nine. for nine days. Uh huh. Um, usually leading up to a a feast day. Like a feast day. Yeah. But. They can also be prayed uh, for various purposes. You know, maybe you're preparing for your wedding, so you could pray oh, a novena leading nice. up to your wedding. Or, yes. uh, you know, something that's, that's really uncommon now, but used to be more common, would be a novena that was kind of for mourning after somebody passed away. Okay, uh, yes. For nine pray days. a novena for nine days after the after death. After the death. Um, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask, I'm glad you mentioned that it was such an ancient, because I was going to ask you where that tradition came from. Do you know more? You said it dates to the time of the apostles. Why were people praying for yeah, nine well, days? You think that it would be seven days. Yeah, so um, this is kind of interesting because it doesn't quite jump out at you no. as a nine-day thing when you're reading the Acts of the Apostles. But in, in Acts of the Apostles, the Apostles go up to the upper room to pray yeah. after Jesus ascends, uh-huh. and they're awaiting the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Yeah, And so um, so, so Pentecost means the 50th day. That's, yes. That's what yeah. the word means, Pentecost, the 50th day. And so they go up there on... Um, on the f- yeah, after the, four- the forty yeah. days. Yeah. So then there are ah, nine days of prayer. So there's in between. There's nine days between Ascension Thursday and Pentecost Sunday, essentially, right? Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. where it comes from. I did not know that. That's that's totally cool. See, here in Canada, 
we usually move Ascension, the Feast of the Ascension, to the Sunday. So this whole Ascension Thursday thing, I don't know if, if most can, I didn't never knew that <laughs> until I you know, was in the States and they were talking about Ascension Thursday. But okay, so that makes sense. So nine days, okay. So now is there a sense that then you pray, like let's say when I was praying, doing the novena for St. Therese, which is the one I mentioned earlier, um, that that instead of just praying a lot on the feast day, <laughs> I kind of <laughs> split it up into nine <laughs> nine day. Like, is is there mm-hmm. something do you think that's beneficial for us uh, in our spiritual journey to kind of spread it out over a period of time rather than just focusing it all on one day? Uh, yeah. Well, we're you know we're we're in Lent right now, right? And uh, I think I think that's a good example of this where. It's very important that we do things to prepare, you right. know, um, where, you know, Advent, Lent, um, the nine days that they were praying in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, there's this this thing in, in the modern world that I think we're often lacking where uh, we just want it now. We want to, yeah, you know, we want, we want the instant gratification or, yeah. or Fast you know, food. Yeah. get it done. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, move on. Yeah. Right. Uh, whereas... Uh, Preparation. I, I couldn't tell you exactly why, <laughs> but clearly um, God wants us to have that period of, of preparation yeah. for um, improving our spiritual life and and uh, you know looking forward to the feast day or yeah. uh, whatever it is we're going yeah. towards. So why did you and your wife Annie decide to start this Pray More Novenas service? Well, it's, it's kind of a funny story, actually. Um, like like you, I didn't grow up praying novenas, uh-huh. um, but uh, in college, I, I had tried a few novenas, and uh, basically, I'm I'm not very disciplined. You know, I, I'd get to like day three or so, <laughs> right? Yes. And I would forget, Done. and then I'd be uh, you know miss a few days in there, and I'd feel bad about the whole thing. You know, the yeah. Catholic guilt would kick in. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, it just kind of ended up being a bad experience, so I didn't really like praying novenas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, yeah, um, asked me to pray a novena with her. And uh, I'm forgetting which novena it was. It's the one early, um, the Marian feast day early in December. Uh, Im- um, uh, the Immaculate Conception. Yes, 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 sorry. Immaculate Conception of Luna. December. And her friends were praying it, and she wanted me to uh-huh. join her. And I actually, I turned her down. Really? Because of this. Yeah. No. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, you know, I've, I've never had good experiences praying Novena. I always forget, you know. Right. Like, you go ahead and do it. I, no thanks, you know. Uh-huh. And after I did that, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm dating this girl i should want to pray with her you know I yeah. should, this isn't a good reason to mm-hmm. to turn her down and that was just in my head and i i started thinking you know there's probably other people who have this problem which it turns out there yeah. are yes um, there are and uh so i i set up a website and uh kind of spread the word that we were going to do a novena uh for christmas yeah uh, for an end to abortion uh-huh. um and uh, so did that and had a really, really great response. I think on our first novena, there were um, just under a thousand people. Who wow. Yeah. How many people uh, have joined just, now? Do you know how many people have joined now? Uh, I haven't checked 
in the last few days, but I, I think we're at about um, almost 250,000. That's amazing. And so basically you you set it up. So when I joined in, so then I get an, an email when the novena is coming up, and then I'll get an email every day of the novena with the novena prayer. So it's really, really easy for me, right. really simple. And that, that was kind of one of the things when I thought of this that, that hit me, that I was thinking, you know, I sit here all day checking my email right. know, for work or for what, you know, whatever, and um, I can't remember to pray, but I'm staring at my email yeah. you know, many times yeah. throughout the day. So that that kind of came together that, you know, a lot of people check their email every day or 50 times a day or yeah, whatever. Of course. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's, it, it's convenient and it kind of breaks up um, you know, the, the work day for people like kind of intrudes into their, yeah. uh, you know, the email inbox is so often uh, a place of chaos and of things demanding your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so nice to be able to see in there next to those things, um, causing stress and demanding your time. Yeah. Uh, something that's bringing you into prayer. Absolutely. And, and so then you or you and Annie, do you, where do you get the prayers? Do you make them up or do you get them from somewhere else? Yeah. So most of them, um, I write uh-huh. and, uh, for, for most of the novenas, Annie will write the, the intentions yeah. at, the, at the beginning. So. You know what? I actually compliment you on that because I found, and I'm a deacon and I sometimes find, especially when you're pl- praying for healing, like the one for, for our lady of Lourdes that, that you did recently, um, you're mm-hmm. playing for healing and, and there's, I mean, you know, to have a different focus every day for nine days and then as, and the, and the prayers keep kind of adding to each, to each other. And so that by the end of the nine days, you, you have nine intentions that you've prayed for. I, I think it's, it's so good and so helpful. Um, I, we're almost out of time and I don't want to leave you without talking about this new, this new venture that you're doing. Tell us about the pray Pray More Retreat. Well, with Pray More Novenas, um, you know, novenas are, are a great devotion, but it's not really a full prayer life. You know, there's so much more. Yeah. And so we we found that, you know, we had all these people from around the world, many of whom, um, you know, this was a core part of their prayer life, doing these novenas together. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to help them go deeper and to learn more about prayer and to learn to pray more. In, in other ways, mm-hmm. and so we decided to create this, you know, pray more retreat. Not that creative of a title, you know, very direct, <laughs> but uh, it is what it is. Our uh, yep, our patron saint is uh, Saint Teresa of Avila. Nice, and uh, she is uh, a doctor of the church, and she's regarded for many things, but but one of which is for her writings on prayer. Yeah. Um, so we actually have combined a, a novena to St. Teresa of Avila with the, with the retreat. And the okay. retreat is um, video presentations uh-huh. online. We have 16 presentations. Uh-huh. And uh, you can just go to PrayMoreRetreat.com and, and sign up and participate in the retreat at your own pace. So it's the same kind uh, of... De- is it the same sort of idea that you get email messages or do you have to keep going back to the website as you do the, the retreat? So y- you will get the... Uh, the email messages for the novena, uh-huh. and then yeah. um, okay. for the retreat, uh, you'll get um, access to all the uh, the prayers. So you'll have to go back for those. Okay, good. But uh, we'll have a have a link to those in the uh, 
Right. Age. But because they it's not but because it's not a novena, if you skip a day, it doesn't matter. You can still go back the next day and continue at your own pace. Right. right. And good. and for anybody listening, um, this is going to be up all of Lent, and you okay, won't yeah. miss the novena because we're not leading up to right. a particular feast day. It's once you sign up, it triggers the novena right. for you. So we're not necessarily doing it all together. Right. Uh, but you won't miss out on it, so you can still. Okay, join in. that's really good. Thank you so much for doing that. I, I I don't know what else you do because I'm sure this takes a lot of your time. But thank you uh, to you and Andy <laughs> yeah. for for doing this. Um, that's all the time we have, You're John welcome. Paul. But I'm going to let you go, and uh, I hope that uh, you get another two hundred thousand people joining in because they're listening to this program. Yeah, thank you. How's that? All right, take care and God bless. God bless. John Paul Deddens and his wife Annie founded and run Pray More Novenas, the original Novena Reminder. You can find out more and join at PrayMoreNovenas.com. You can also join the Pray More Retreat at PrayMoreRetreat.com. And of course, you can also find uh, all of this on Facebook and Twitter. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Josh Blakesley, with Here at the Cross from his album, Even in This.
That was the Josh Blakesley Band with Here at the Cross from their new album, Even in This. The mission of the Josh Blakesley Band is very simple, to make music that moves people into prayer and action. And I think that they're doing a good job so far. The Josh Blakesley Band has released five albums, and you may have heard about their last one, You Are the Light, when Josh was last on this program. Their latest album from last year which we've been listening to, even in this, is a testament to the band's mission. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Josh Blakesley. Josh, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Um, so, correct me if I'm wrong, but is this your first independent album? Um, it is actually, uh, it's actually my second okay, cause independent your f- album. Right, so your first one was independent, but this is the first one that you've crowdfunded, correct? That's right. Yeah, this is the first one that we actually went out. We did a Kickstarter for it, and uh, and and got got the fans to to really support this this record financially. And uh, that was a huge. That was a tremendous experience. I mean, just yeah. I mean, very humbling, um, but also very beautiful. Just to just to see the support that we've got from people who listen to music. It's very rewarding, and it really kind of encourages and affirms the the work that we're doing uh, in music mm-hmm. ministry. So, yeah. No, I, I, I think, yeah, I think crowdfunding is great. I mean, people, to know that people want the, the album and that they're willing to put money up front, that's great. And that's it's, right. a, it's a great formula. Um, but what else would you say is different about this album for you, though? Well, uh, a lot of things. I mean, uh, of course, there was the, the crowdfunding thing, and it, it, really, it really made like a... Uh, a, a self-interest. Uh, our investment in it was was huge because mm-hmm. uh, because we began with that crowdfunding thing, and it, it really made us feel like, okay, well, we have a responsibility to these people now that to make the best record that right. we've ever made. And, right. and we really, I mean, I really felt feel like you know we poured our our songwriting hearts into this. We poured our uh, from the recording standpoint, the tracking, the music that we played, the parts that we came up with on each song. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right down to the overdubs and the people who we who we chose to to play the extra parts on this record. It's um, right. You know, it's just such a huge in, investment from you know from uh, from our mental and 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 
uh, just our desire to really make it the best that right. it can be, you know. Um, yeah. How does that work? Because I know that, uh, I mean, you are Josh Blakesley, but I think you're very clear as always saying, you know, we are the Josh Blakesley band and there's, you know, it's the four right. of you. So how does that work? Do you all collaborate with, with composing or writing music or how does that work? We do. Um, I've been the principal songwriter for uh, for a long time. I mean, songwriting is just kind of a love and a... Um, and, and a gift that I feel like comes from God and yeah. something that I try to return on a regular basis by just spending time uh, getting better at it and diving into it, mm-hmm. you know. And um, But over the years, you know, uh, traveling with, with three other guys and, you know, it becomes like family. And, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, they're musicians and, and songwriters in their own right. And so uh, there's a natural, I think, um, inclination towards writing together and uh, you know, we spend so much time together and we'll, you know, we have sound checks together and there's yeah. these, you know, just these spur of the moment kind of jam sessions that start to happen on a couple of chords. And then we right. go, Hey, wait a minute, that should be a song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So, uh, you know, so we try to remember those things and then turn them into songs later. So even in this has songs that I wrote on my own songs that I collaborated with other songwriters from mm-hmm. Nashville who are friends and really, you know, have some really great songs. Uh, Sarah Hart, Michael Farron, yeah. who, who have written for, for and with lots of great artists, uh, Mia Fields and people like that. Right. But then there's also songs that, that we wrote as a band as yeah, well. That's cool. So, so why, why the title even in this? I mean, I know that's one of the tracks, but where does that come from? Yeah. Yeah, we we actually we went back and forth on that for a long time. Uh, Hope comes alive is one of the songs on the yeah. album, and it's um, it, it you know that that song for a long time we 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 toyed with the idea of making that the title track, mm-hmm. uh, just because there's a spirit of you know there's kind of a positive spirit behind the idea of you know hope coming alive, yeah, and course. that song is really a gathering song. It's yeah. about getting people excited and and welcoming God into a room, you know, so that we can uh, worship. Mm-hmm. Um, but we ultimately decided on even in this uh, because the song was born out of uh, kind of some personal events that happened amongst the band and, okay. and with uh, particularly with um, with our guitar player he he lost his their firstborn child um, to uh, a disorder called trisomy 18 hmm. and um, it she was actually born and she lives for about a month and uh and then she and then she died she passed away and it was totally unexpected and um they didn't know while uh, they were pregnant that that this was going to happen so obviously they were devastated and mm-hmm. the song even in this uh i went to nashville and and wrote with um with a few songwriter friends of mine and just kind of explained the situation and how as a parent to lose someone uh to lose a child um, you know, how do you come back from that? How do you how do you keep your faith? How do you how do you look at God and say, why do things like this happen? I still want to believe you. I still want to believe in you. I still want to be faithful to you despite this terrible thing that's happened in my life. How do you do that? You know, right. um, and the song really speaks into that. Like, how do we have faith even in this, even in the darkest of times, even mm-hmm. in the hardest parts of our lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so ultimately it was just so personal. We decided to make that the, uh, the title of the album as well. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very moving story and it, it's a beautiful song. I, cause it's not, it's not sad. I mean, there's hope, there's hope in there. And, and that's, I think what you, you guys are trying to do. Um, uh, I know that a lot of what you do is uh, worship, leading worship and going to conferences. I know you were in, in Calgary uh, last year for One Rock and you do Steubenville. You were in Toronto, I think, last summer too for Steubenville. Uh, any of that happening for you this summer? 
Yeah, so we've got uh, we've got some Steubenville conferences this year. Uh, we're going to be out in uh, Tucson, Arizona this year. We've got one one conference here in Alexandria, Louisiana, where uh, we're from. We're fortunate enough to yeah. have a conference right in our own hometown, so we don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. And then uh, sleep in your own bed. And then we're doing one on the main campus this year, which is really oh, good. that's always special because there's yeah there's a special spirit about being being on the campus where the conferences were born. Yeah, and, the real thing. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, World Youth plans for World Youth Day. Uh, we do, yeah. We actually don't have travel plans yet, which we're still working on. So we're trying to uh, we're trying to figure out how to get there. But uh, but we do have plans to go, and uh, we're going to be there. We missed Rio last year, yeah. and, uh, But we were in Madrid, and so we we feel like it's um, it's time. It's we try time. to we try to do it at least every other uh, World Youth Day conference. So yeah, that's good. Uh, so we'll be there in Poland. Yeah, that's good. So maybe we'll see you there, and and I'm sure people will be looking for you guys at the various Steubenville conferences. Um. The last, so even in this, I know we're doing, we're talking about it now, but it's, 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 it's a year old already. The album, so I'm sure you have other new, new projects coming down the pipes. We do. We actually have some really cool things that we're working on right now. Um, we're talking about a compilation album with, uh, with several different Catholic artists who are um, we're, we're trying to put together right now. It's nice. very preliminary. Uh, yeah, we're planning on a writing session in April to write for that. Um, we've also got. We've got some mass parts that have been um, okay. kind of sitting in the wings since the mass parts changed yeah. uh, a few years ago, um, and so we're we're planning on recording those within the next year. And so, a lot, yeah, lots of things coming down the pipe. Oh, well, that's sure. good. Now, do you think because you had such a successful Kickstarter campaign last year that you're going to continue with sort of that that model, or are you doing some work with other? Song and, or well, other I don't. Want, I don't want to go. I don't like to go to that well too many times. Uh, yeah, and we've got we've got lots of partners and friends that uh, that are willing to uh, partner with us on on projects like that. And yeah. so uh, we will likely uh, do those things for now um, and kind of reserve the right to do another crowdfunding thing later on because I do like the support of that and yes and how it it really makes you a partner with everybody that's uh, that's listening to the music and and praying with you on yeah. this. No, adventure, you know? it's true. You're right. Uh, for for you, you don't want to. I love how you, you put that. Not, don't go to that well too often. But but for that special project that really people feel that they own it, I think that that's that's when you you go there. Um, Josh, that's, that's right. all. That's all the time we have. But it's been really good having you back on the show and, and chatting. And and hopefully we'll see you in World Youth Day. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. God bless. God bless. You can learn more about Josh Blakesley and the Josh Blakesley Band and purchase his music or the new album, even in this, at their website, joshblakesleyband.com. Here now is uh, the Josh Blakesley Band with that song that Josh mentioned earlier, Hope Comes Alive, from their new album, Even in This. listening to Josh Blakesley with Hope Comes Alive from his new album, Even In This. And that will bring us to the end of our program this week. Remember that you can always reach us via email, Facebook, or Twitter 
at Salt and Light TV, or you can reach me, Deacon Pedro, also through Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us via direct voice message right off our webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Comment on anything that you hear on this program. We will read or listen to every message and, hey, maybe we will read some of them on the air. So go to your computer or mobile device and send me a message. If you missed any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at that same webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists and guests. This show would not be possible without the support of our featured artists and all our guests. So check them out and support their work. Thank you for listening. May you continue having a blessed Lenten season. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.